Hello and welcome to the Sex Within Marriage Podcast. My name is JD and I blog over at uncoveringintimacy.com. And today it's New Year's Eve day and my wife has just left to take all the kids ice skating so that I could have some time to record this last podcast of the year. Today we're answering 19 of the questions that we received in November of 2021 and this is going to be quite long so I'm not going to delay much except to say thank you for another amazing year, really an amazing decade. In January we will have hit 10 years since we started this ministry with a little blog that almost no one read. Now about 4,000 people download every episode of the podcast that we release. We have almost 8,500 people on our mailing list, 10,000 or so followers across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and many more who just stumble across our blog every day looking for answers to their questions. And I don't say that to brag, but rather that I am humbled that so many of you are focused on your marriages, on trying to make them better, on trying to create a relationship that shows the world what marriage should be like. So thank you to our readers, our listeners, our customers and clients, and even more uh, for over a hundred supporters who generously give to help us help you. And I'm excited about what this new year and new decade will bring. And I hope you are as well. So with all that done, let's get on to the questions. Question one is from a husband who writes, My wife in our older years has become very prudish. In our early married years, she'd put on sex shows for me and even let me take pictures and videos of her playing with sex toys or her giving me oral sex. Now sex only once a week with little or no variation and absolutely no pictures. What has happened and why so prudish? Now, I can't know for sure, of course, because I don't know your wife and a couple of sentences don't give enough context, but I can make some plausible guesses. Uh, The first is around body image. Women, more so than men, tend to deal with body image issues, particularly as they get older. So some of the things she used to feel more comfortable doing, such as sex shows, pictures, videos, etc., might make her feel very uncomfortable now if she sees herself as less attractive, sexy, and so on. Uh, The second one is responsive desire. Uh, Women's sex drives tend to be more responsive rather than spontaneous over time and as responsibilities increase. So while in the past she might have gotten spontaneously aroused more often and to a greater extent, she might not now, and it may take more work to get into that aroused of a state. Uh, Third is adventurous sex. I think women get bored of sex more easily than men do. It seems to me that women need more constantly evolving, deepening, and edgier sex as they get older, and if that doesn't happen, then their sexual expression wilts, for lack of a better term, because there are wives who get more adventurous, more outgoing, more daring, but it's because that attitude is fostered and accepted by both spouses. If it's not, uh, if that's not cultivated, then it seems that the opposite happens. And the fourth idea that I have is that something has changed in the relationship. Uh, One of the reasons that things like this go off the table is because, yeah, it's changed somehow. Uh, Is there something that's broken trust, maybe a porn addiction that she found out about an affair? I'm not saying that there is, but it does sometimes happen. So there are four potential reasons why things might have changed. Of course, you'll have to have a conversation with her to find out, uh, likely multiple conversations, as sometimes we don't even know what the reasons are for our change in behaviors. But hopefully that at least gives you some ideas of things you can pursue. Question two says, Hey, Jay, newish listener of the podcast. I really like what you're doing. My wife and I have been married for a year and a half now. We have both struggled with porn in the past, but it's something I thought we had 
both been able to forget and leave in the past. Recently, she confessed to me that she has a hard time not picturing slash fantasizing about porn scenes that she has seen in the past while we have sex. She says that she has not looked at porn since we met, and I wholeheartedly believe her. We are very free with sharing our phones, and she hasn't done anything to give me a reason not to trust her. My question is, how do I help her forget the things that she has seen in her past and help her move on? I love my wife with all my heart, and I want to help her in any way that I can. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's hard. Uh, I struggled with that myself when I first quit. Uh, eventually it fades. I can't tell you how long it'll take. I, I think that's different for every individual. Some people have said that prayer helps. Others have said it doesn't. Uh, but I, I don't think prayer hurts. So I'd say use it as an opportunity to pray, be open with each other about your struggles, and then grow together as a couple. You know, eventually it will be a thing of the past. And someday someone will ask you how long it takes to fade and you'll struggle to remember because you can't recall when the last time you had a thought like that was. So yeah, I think just give it time. Although if somebody's listening to this and they have a method for making that time shorten, please visit the website and post a comment. All right. Question three, after listening to episode 78, where the one was giving an update about premature ejaculation, it got me thinking, what's the different definition of premature ejaculation? When my wife and I have sex, she can stroke me for quite a while while I do various things to get her to orgasm. At times when she is stroking or performing oral sex, I get really close to having an orgasm. I'll pull away to keep from having an orgasm. After she has had an, an orgasm, will engage in intercourse where I don't last very long at all, maybe one or two minutes at most. The amount of time that she spends stroking can be like five minutes in total, off and on, because she gets into her orgasm, where it could be two to three minutes of her performing oral sex, off and on, breaks to breathe or readjust. I have in the past where I've had like a pre-cum when she was performing oral sex on me, I didn't have a full ejaculation, I could then have intercourse for much longer than normal. If we have a quickie, I might be able to last one to two minutes. I'm wondering if I would be considered someone that has premature ejaculation. All right. So the definition has shifted over time. Depending on which country you're in when you ask, premature ejaculation was considered to be ejaculation in under one to two minutes or even 15 seconds after intercourse has started. So by the old definition, you might be. But the definition has changed because it doesn't account for a lot of things like foreplay. So the new definition is basically ejaculating before you want to. So if you and your wife are content with the timing, then it's not an issue. But if there are some frustrations there on either end, then it's something that you could look into trying to change. And if you are looking to extend the time, uh, I do have a post on premature ejaculation, which I'll link to in the show notes. Question number four is, I know the Bible says we should be fruitful and multiply. My wife and I have three kids. However, I got a vasectomy seven years ago when my walk with Christ was not as strong as it is now. So I'm questioning whether or not my vasectomy was a sinful act. Is getting a vasectomy a sin? If it is, then I'm in the same boat. I'm not sure that I can answer this without a biased view. Uh, I think this is one of those situations where you have to act in accordance with your convictions. For me, when my wife said, I don't think I can handle another pregnancy, that was my cue. Um, we'd already had five kids, uh, we were getting older, the pregnancies were getting harder, and the house was full. Um, I felt that we'd fulfilled our mandate to multiply, and having more, in our case, might lead to not being able to care adequately for the kids God has already given us into our care. So, that's where I sit. Uh, for myself, I don't think so. I feel clear in my conviction. Um, other people wouldn't. 
I think what's important is that you have a desire to seek what God's will is and to follow it. And I think it's that desire that God wants in us. Um, not necessarily the actions. I mean, the actions are important because they come out of that desire. But I think the desire is more important. You know, if you look at David in the Bible, you know, God said he's a man after God's own heart. And it's certainly not because of the things David did. Uh, David did some horribly despicable things. Um, but I think more that every time he did something wrong, he turned back to God and said, you know, I, I did something wrong, or I think I did something wrong, or let me know if I did something wrong. And when I think about mine, I, I feel at peace with that. And that's a very unsatisfactory theological answer, uh, because I'm a very much a black and white. I like to see principles in action. And this one, I, I don't have a good one either way. So I think I'm going to have to fall back on, you know, you have to go with what you're convicted of. All right, let's move on to question five. My husband used to have a porn issue, but has stopped. He still looks up various articles featuring scantily dressed women. He is a truck driver, home daily. We have sex one or two times a week due to his job, long hours, lack of sleep. I've caught him masturbating in the shower. He denies it and says, why would I do that when I have you? He is a liar. He lies about money, what he ate, little things, everything. He claims that he's a born again believer, but he doesn't show it at all. He's constantly on his phone. He allows me to access. And when I see things he has looked up, he still lies and makes excuses that he didn't. We've been married for 11 years. I love him very much, but alone in our marriage. Counseling isn't an option because of his job, as well as he refuses to see a problem. He is a good provider in some ways, but very selfish in many areas. The only time we spend together is sex. Okay. So I, I'm guessing the implied question is, what do I do? Uh, and ultimately you can't force people to seek out help when they aren't ready for it. Not even your spouse. You know, the Bible does give us some principles on how to deal with situations like this. For example, in Matthew 18, you know, it tells you that if someone sins against you, go to them. If they won't hear you, go to someone else. And if they won't hear you, then go to the church. Um, uh, so you've gone to him. The next step would be to find someone that he respects and ask if they'll speak to him. And, at the end of the path, if he's still obstinate, then you do as Jesus said. And in verse 17, he says, you know, if they still won't listen, if they refuse to hear even the church, then you treat them like a heathen or a tax collector. And now some churches have misinterpreted this and cut these people off, but that's not how Jesus dealt with heathens and tax collectors. He invited himself into their houses. He healed them. He taught them right from wrong, never pushing his theology, but constantly modeling love. And that brings us to what Paul says when he says, you know, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. That's in 1 Corinthians 7 verses 12 to 14. And I think Paul here faithfully re reflects that principle. That, And if you want another example, go read the book of Hosea in the Bible. Uh, it's heartbreaking, but I think it shows us the kind of unconditional love that God asked for us and what power it has. You know, there's no guarantees, of course. He may never come along, but there is always hope. On top of that, I would highly suggest reading a book like um, Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. It's really good about uh, learning how to love people when it's hard to love them sometimes uh, and about setting healthy boundaries for yourself. Uh, I'd read that book over the book called Boundaries. Uh, which is also a book, but I think gets misused in a lot of ways. Question six is, I follow you on Twitter and love your posts. I wish there were more of them. 
I also follow another Twitter account, uh, which I've redacted the name of. Um, they also have a website. Uh, the couple that posts there, I feel, has a lot of good advice. They give a lot of information on their sex lives specifically, really intimate details. Where is the line to be drawn when talking with friends about our sex lives? We have a couple very close Christian friends. Can we talk about sex with them? How detailed should we go? Sex is supposed to be between the married couple, but can we ask and receive advice from others? Just a big gray area in what to share. All right, so I redacted the name of the Twitter account and the site because I'm not interested in pointing fingers at specific people, and to be honest, it doesn't matter who it is. The main question is, what is okay to share and what isn't? And personally, I try to be as non-erotic as possible while being as informative and educational as possible. And much of the time, that's pretty easy to do. Sometimes it's harder. Uh, for example, my introduction to talking dirty, um, I mean, that's really hard to teach without showing what it looks like. Um, so that was a very difficult one, which I'm told I did a good job of, but other people think I went overboard. So point is, it's difficult sometimes. Um, but I'm still very clear that my intent is to teach, not to arouse. Do people get turned on by some of the things I post? Probably, but that's never my intent. Uh, and I think you're, if you're intending to get people aroused by your posting, then you've crossed a line. Some Christian sites cross that line intentionally, and that concerns me. So when talking to another couple, I'd say the same principle applies. Share uh, for the purpose of help, not titillation. Ask questions to get help, not to be entertained. Uh, also, make sure that your spouse is okay with what you're sharing and where you're sharing it. There are things I share on my blog where I write anonymously that I wouldn't share with a couple I know in person. There are things I share in our supporters forum that I won't share on the blog or the podcast. And there are things that I won't share anywhere except with my wife because the audience matters. And those are the principles I work with and the line that I've drawn for myself. If that works for you, then feel free to adopt it. If it doesn't, adjust it to match your convictions. All right. Question seven. My wife and I have been, have both been working from home. A totally new thing for us. Our kids are all in school during the day. This has shifted our typical time for sex from night before bed to lunchtime. It's also increased our encounters. A few weeks ago, after we had just finished, I noticed I had a Teams meeting just starting. With no, It was a no camera meeting, so I just held the meeting naked. My wife thought it was pretty cool. Now we have started having no pants under afternoons. We do put towels under our chairs. Uh, we are in separate rooms. It's added some spice for us. Yesterday, I was on a pretty important meeting before lunch. My wife came into the room naked, my scream faces away from the door, and proceeded to masturbate on the floor. This was very distracting. Obviously, when the meeting ended, lovemaking happened. Are we taking things too far with this? We've been careful to stay out of view, even changed our office, office layouts around. Okay. So there's a few things going on here. Uh, I don't see an issue with being naked, although be careful about your camera settings because that could lead you into a heap of trouble. Um, however, with this particular instance, this verse came to mind, uh, Colossians 3 verses 23 to 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. And as one of our supporters said in our forum, if I was running a business and our team meetings were full of distracted naked people, I would not be amused. And I think he's right. And you said it was a pretty important meeting. You were clearly distracted. And so you were cheating your business with your lack of presence. 
And I think it would be one thing if you were a salaried employee doing a task that's not time sensitive and you can make up the time slash productivity later. But in this case, that's not something you can make up later because your focused presence was required then. And I get it. I'd have a very hard time telling my wife to stop if she did that for me. But rearranging a room and planning for future instances, well, now you've moved from giving into the temptation into intentionally taking action. And I think that's wrong. Um, there's also the issue that, in a sense, you're using the other people in the meeting as a way to get aroused, which is pretty close to the rule of don't involve other people in your sex life. So those are my thoughts around the whole thing. And I'll let you decide whether you've gone too far or not. All right, question eight. We've got some short ones now. Uh, the amount of sex has gone down dramatically, maybe once every two weeks now. Used to be two to three times a week up until we got COVID in September. I was in the hospital for a couple of weeks and ever since I've got out, we have had sex twice. So twice in September. Uh, it's really disheartening and it feels like she has pushed me away. I have no help. It, hope it will get better. What do I do? Well, you have a conversation about it. Why has it gone down? Is it because you're not initiating or because she stopped initiating or because she's rejecting you? If she's rejecting you, has she said why? I mean, some people who get COVID have very low energy levels for months afterwards. Um, so it could just be that. But conversation is the first step. Also, this is a recent development. Let's not lose hope already. I mean, I've seen marriages turn around after 25 years of no sex. So there's always hope. Uh, it's been a couple months. Don't give up but start talking. Uh, question nine is simply what percentage of men cross-dress and what percentage of women approve of this? I don't know any good statistics on this, nor on how many people approve of it. I'm not sure it matters though, except to gauge how quickly our society is collapsing. Uh, I think it's wrong to engage in that behavior and that the women who approve of it, they're wrong as well. Because ultimately, I don't think it's loving or kind to accept any sort of behavior that shows a clear rejection of reality. Now, if you want more information, you can check out my post on cross-dressing and argue with me all you want over there. I'll link to it in the show notes to make it easy for you. Question 10 is, hi, I'm a male and my wife wanted to try some rimming on me. We also wanted to use a dildo that I sit on and kind of ride it, but also a vibrator. I know this doesn't make me gay, but I don't want to do anything that God doesn't like. We would definitely not do it if it's a sin. I think I'm just going to direct you to my post on pegging because it addresses all the issues that you're looking for, even though it's not exactly the same topic. So I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, yeah, because I don't think I have anything else to add. And all right, after a halfway point, question number 11. Jay, I've been married for almost 20 years and I have three kids. My wife and I only have sex once or twice per year for the past several years since our last child was born and only when we're away alone overnight. I've basically resigned myself to living in a sexless marriage now, and I don't even know how to approach discussing sex with or initiating with her anymore. Sex was never really a comfortable topic of discussion when we were having sex more often earlier in our marriage, and now it get, seems really uncomfortable, since we basically never have sex. Kids and managing to get through our lives seems to take up all of our time and energy these days. I'm wondering if you have any suggestions for how to bring the topic up or how to try to reignite any romantic interest or intimacy in our marriage. She seems fine without it being part of our marriage, and we're basically existing as roommates these days. I've read your responses previously about masturbation and porn, but I've also read that regular ejaculation sex can be associated with lower risk for prostate cancer in men. Given my situation, what do you suggest in this regard? All right, that took a turn at the end there, but let's 
start with the real issue. You can't talk about the fact that you're not having sex. And that's a huge problem because you can't fix it if you can't talk about it. So I'd say get comfortable being uncomfortable, or at least accept that you're going to be uncomfortable. Uh, if you've ever been a coaching client of mine, you know I say that quite often. Um, and so use that to break the ice. Start with, honey, I need to talk with you. And look, I don't know how to talk about this because it's awkward and uncomfortable. And I feel like there are a lot of ways that we can hurt each other in a conversation like this, but we can't keep avoiding it. And I think we need to talk about our sex life because I don't think this is what God intended for us. And I want it to be better for both of us so that our kids can see a healthy relationship modeled for them when they grow up. And I don't feel like we can be that for them right now. And that's about the best I can do with a generic, how do we start type of question without knowing the whys and hows of your dynamic. If you were a coaching client, we'd spend some time looking at your relationship, your personalities, trying to figure out what happened, why the dynamic shifted in the first place, where are the pain points in your marriage, how you both view the relationship, what you both want from the relationship, and then work towards getting your marriage where you want it to be. As for the risk of the prostate cancer, the study you're referring to showed two things that can help you stave off prostate cancer. Uh, number one was don't have sex. Number two was have lots of sex, which fits the biblical model. Either be married and have lots of sex or don't. So I'd say let's fix the marriage rather than try to find a way around God's design. All right. Question number 12 says, hello, my name is Oliver. I've been married to my beautiful wife for almost four years. I have a question for you because I read your blog and it was really informative for me. I enjoy anal sex being I active or passive. Sometimes my wife agrees to have anal intercourse and we enjoy it. My wife stimulates my anus with oral sex and sometimes with her fingers. I find it really pleasurable. I used to use dildos and my wife agreed for a period of time. My question is, is it acceptable for me to insert an anal dildo? And I do not think about having sex with a man. I'm a heterosexual, but the feeling is really good for me. But my wife just does not want me to use any dildo anymore. I feel sometimes like I cannot express my sexuality and practice things that I really enjoy. I do not masturbate while using the dildo. It's just a sensation to be filled up and stretching. I really appreciate your sincere answer. And how can I talk to my wife since I'm no longer feeling open to tell her that I really enjoy anal sex? Thanks so much. All right. Hey, Oliver. So to me, the entire point of sex is the relationship. So the idea that you're being able to express your sexuality in a way that damages the relationship is counterproductive, almost oxymoronic. Uh, so you've expressed your desire here and the reasons for it and her desire to not, but you haven't given any reasons why she doesn't want to. And I think that would be my first step to try and understand why it is that your wife doesn't want to do this anymore. I think that's the interesting part, getting to know something about your wife. That I think is more valuable than the sexual act itself because otherwise you're just putting in a dildo and basically enjoying the sexual sensations. So while you say you're not masturbating, you basically are, um, you're just not stroking yourself. Um, so that would fall under solo masturbation. And if you've been listening to my blog for any amount of time, you know, my views there in short, I think trading a little bit of sexual pleasure for potentially damaging a relationship is, uh, not a good move. All right. 13 is what can you share about CBD lubes? Are they safe? Do they work? Are they worth the price? I haven't tried any CBD lube yet. Are they safe? Nothing I've seen suggests that they aren't, but I'm not a doctor. So do your own research. Are they worth the price? 
Like I said, I haven't used them, but based on what I see, it seems to be more of a placebo effect than anything else. All right, question 14. Your last podcast gave me some follow-up questions. I guess I'm one of the percentage of women who has never had an orgasm with penetration. Because of this, quote-unquote, sex is often intercourse where he is mostly the only one getting pleasure or foreplay and me and getting me to an orgasm. I'm thankful for my husband's participation and the time in this, which makes me wonder, what does sex look like for those who both have an orgasm with intercourse? Any tricks to try and have an orgasm this way? You mentioned role play in your last podcast and then some that were off limits by topic. So what are some ideas of positive role play scenarios? Thanks for your time. Okay, so just to be clear, the percentage of women who have never had an orgasm with penetration is the majority. Uh, and not by a little bit. So you're asking about a minority of people that actually can have sex from an orgasm from penetration. And I think you'll find that their experiences aren't that similar, particularly since one of the correlations for women who have orgasm through penetration is that they tend to be into more varied sexual activities. So as such, they're less likely to have a standard sex routine. Some will, of course, but for myself, I can't point to a standard routine that we follow. Our sex life is quite varied, and as it becomes more varied, honestly, most of the time these days, we're seeking to avoid orgasm for her rather than chase it. So the best trick I have is to switch things up a lot. Uh, try new things. Don't get stuck in a routine. Uh, the first printable I ever made was our spice jar to help couples do just that because we had similar struggles for a while and as our sex got less routine and more varied her orgasms became easier to achieve until at this point we're enjoying edging much more than anything else uh, that is keeping her right on the edge of orgasm for as long as possible without trying to push her over as for uh positive role play scenarios i guess i wouldn't call them role play so much i mean the roles that we play are the roles that we're in um, I would think of them more like, um, yeah, just scenarios, uh, that you would be in. So, um, something like if you were on vacation somewhere or if you were hiking somewhere or, you know, if you're in some situation that you don't yet regularly get put in, but isn't a sinful one, I can't say I can think of a positive role play scenario that doesn't break my aforementioned rules in the other post. All right, question 16, four more to go. Is consensual fun spanking allowed in the Christian bedroom? This could include wife spanking husband or husband spanking wife. Uh, I don't see an issue with it given the typical principles are followed. Uh, one is mutually enjoyable or at least not unenjoyable. Uh, number two is not done for humiliation or degradation purposes. Uh, three, it doesn't become something that is required to have sex. And number four, it doesn't become the focus of sex. Uh, other than that, I think there are a lot of benefits. Uh, spanking brings a lot of blood flow to the area, which heightens sensations. Uh, for women in particular, um, spanking tends to internally stimulate the clitoris. Uh, number three is it stimulates other nerves, which is, can also aid in arousal. And number four, it feels taboo, which is erotic for many. So yeah, I think go for it as long as both of you are interested. Question number 17 is, my doctor needs a specimen of my hub's sperm so that I, so I need him to jack off in a cup, but I don't believe in the whole watching porn. Any other tips? Um, yeah, I, I'm always confused why people think that masturbation has to be alone and masturbation has to include porn. 
anyways, I wrote a whole post on masturbation for medical reasons years ago. Uh, I think it's still relevant. So I'm just going to point you there. And number 18 is another question on masturbation. Uh, this wife writes, both my husband and I have a past riddled with sexual trauma as children and as adults. God has delivered us from the effects of this in our lives, but with some lingering. My husband also is disabled and unable to have sex as a result. Due to the sexual trauma, we've both been okay without. However, as we worked on our marriage and be more emotionally and spiritually transparent with one another, that desire is increasing on my part. We've discussed sex and the idea of mutual masturbation, but for him, it's devastating that he can no longer perform. Medical reasons why procedures and medications can't be used. However, I long for his touch and I have desires that are difficult to ignore. He believes and feels it's okay for me to masturbate alone as long as my thoughts are either about him or simply on feeling and not on not a person. But I don't know if this is sinning. It's a complicated scenario and I find myself wanting for masturbation to be okay, albeit lonely really, for physical relief. The pull is strong. And there's another part of me that thinks maybe this is one of those crosses to bear and that I need to stand with my husband and give up sex altogether to be beside him in the pain of his disability. Can you help me some sort out sort this out biblically slash spiritually. So my views on masturbation is that masturbation is sex and sex should be shared with your spouse and only your spouse. And I know that's not a popular view, even within Christianity, even my, in my supporters forum, I think I'm outnumbered. However, that's my view. And as for my reasons, I have quite a few posts on the matters. You can uh, start with a post called Why Masturbation is a Problem, Whether You're Single or Married, which goes through my theological, psychological, and physiological reasons for believing that it's a sin. In your case, I think there's an additional specific reason. Your husband has been traumatized, and if you accept his permission to masturbate alone, there's a good chance that he'll never be healed from it because there's no incentive to. Now, I'm not a therapist, so maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you should probably consult one. But I would think that he could work on himself, heal from the tr psychological trauma, and learn to enjoy seeing you get pleasure. But why would he if he can just ignore what's going on and bury the trauma and live out the rest of his life with that wound unhealed? And I would think this would be like continuing to feed a man painkillers for the rest of his life rather than deal with a knife in his thigh rather than working out how to get the knife out and heal the wound. That's my thoughts anyways. And lastly, another question about masturbation. Uh, I and my husband are staying away for more than two years now. We love each other, respect and honor each other. My question is that we get turned on now and then. Is it okay to masturbate and let the sexual tension go away? Or is it sinful enough to lose my place in heaven? My husband has better control over his sexual urges than I do. He doesn't believe in female orgasm, so he never even tried to satisfy me ever. So is it okay on my part to masturbate? I'm scared enough already about my salvation. All right, so we got a few things going on here. First, you're separated. I have no idea why, but I have a post on masturbation due to separation, which you might want to check out. Check out. Uh, secondly, behaviors don't lose your salvation. It's your relationship with God that's important. And I go into that more detail in the post called um, There Are No Salvation Issues, which might help clear up some of the confusion there and hopefully a, give you some peace about your own salvation because that's not something you should have to be afraid of. And lastly, um, your husband doesn't believe in female orgasms? Do you mean he doesn't 
believe women have orgasms or he doesn't believe should they should have orgasms or he doesn't believe it's his responsibility to help you have an orgasm. Um, I'm kind of confused there. I'd love to know more um, because what's the point in him okaying masturbation if he doesn't think that you orgasm? Either way, uh, I think there's an issue there, but depending on which answer it is, his notions need to be addressed in different ways. Um, and that's an uncomfortable thing to address. That's one of those times when it can be helpful to have a third party in the room, um, hopefully someone he respects. Um, maybe you can approach another couple in your church and have them talk through it with the two of you. Just make sure they don't have the same beliefs as he does first, because that would backfire. And that's it for this episode and this year. And thanks again to our supporters who help uh, discuss the questions as they come in and give more perspectives and uh, I think have a lot of fun doing it. And also just for being an amazing group of people. I'm constantly grateful that I don't have to moderate our forum because everyone is genuinely interested in helping each other. And maybe it's a byproduct of having a community that's focused on improving communication and love in their lives. Um, either way, thank you guys for being awesome. Uh, if you like the podcast, please go and rate and review it because uh, it helps other people find us and then we can help more people. And on that, uh, yeah, to my supporters and everyone else, I hope you have an amazing New Year celebration if you managed to listen to this before midnight. But either way, we'll talk to you in the New Year. <laughs>